Acts chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, inhaling men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So the attack calls a scattering, but the scattering calls the preaching. And I want to preach to you from the subject today, divine adjustments, divine adjustments. I feel a word from the Lord for this church, and I, and I feel like it's, uh, the Lord told me something to preach next Sunday, but to set it up with this message, that this is the word from the Lord, and then it's going to connect to what the Lord is going to say next Sunday. So that very rarely happens to me in 18 years of traveling across America that rarely happens. I can count on one hand the time that's happened. So I feel like I've, I'm in the vein of the Holy Ghost. What's going on right now? Lord Jesus, have your way in this place. God, get me out of the way. Anoint my mind. Loose my tongue. Anoint the people, I pray, to receive the word of the Lord. Get this message into every house, into every family, into every circumstance. We're going to give you all the glory and all the praise. We'll leave the altar call to you. Do what you do best and take over. We give you the praise and the glory. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The late, great Eli Hernandez, one of the great things he taught and taught me and taught everyone that he mentored was that hell is reactionary. Heaven and hell operate on two different systems. Hell is creative and hell is, heaven is creative and hell is reactive. Same letters in the word creative and reactive, but yet to totally different meanings. Heaven is constantly looking for new ways to bless you and strengthen you and come through for you. That's why you can never put God in a box and try to figure out how he's going to come through because before he was anything, he was a creator. And so he constantly does things new that you can't fathom and you've never seen before. So it's not my job to figure out how he's going to do it. It's just to worship him that he is going to do it in a way that I may not expect him, but he still going to get the glory. I don't need to know how he's going to come through. I just need to know he's going to come through and I know he is going to come through and somebody in this room knows he's going to come through also. He's a creator, but hell is reactionary and it's the desire of Satan to get you and I into becoming reactionary Christians because if I am constantly reacting to everything I hear, see, and feel, I'm operating under hell's guidance. But if I'm constantly worshiping and praising God for his creative anointing, I'm operating under heaven's guidance. That's why hell will come at you to see if they can get a reaction out of you on a daily basis basis when you wake up in the morning there are three wars you will enter into if you have a prayer life number one it's the flesh war you wake up and you are your worst enemy I am my worst enemy and so I have to conquer me before I talk to you because if I don't conquer me and I talk to you, you're not going to like me very much. And I might not like you very much if you don't conquer the you in the morning. So we have a flesh battle that we get up and we talk to our 
creator because we want to get out of the flesh. But just because you get victory in the flesh does not mean you step into the spirit. After the flesh war, when you leave your house, there's the world war. That's why someone cuts you off. That's why someone says something cross to you. That's why someone tries to get a reaction out of you because as soon as hell does something like that and I react to what happens, I go back to the flesh that I just conquered. But if I do not react to what's trying to uh, distract me, then I can step into the spirit and I can take authority because I've got authority over my flesh. You cannot conquer spirits if you cannot conquer flesh. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So if you are wrestling with your flesh, you are disqualified from wrestling with the spirit world. But if you get victory over you and I get victory over me, we can come into agreement in the house of God and a spiritual breakthrough can manifest on every chair in every person's life because we're not reacting, we're creating an atmosphere. Is that all right? All right, so it's the will of Satan to constantly try to get me to react. And that's why hell is always adjusting the attack. Once they see that I've got this door locked and you cannot get to me this way, then they're going to try a different attack. Demons do not retreat, they re-strategize. And so they'll try a different avenue to come at you. Once you get victory in your faith and you have, you have power over that thing that was attacking your mind, whether it was anxiety or depression, or anger, something emotionally that was coming at you, they might attack the finances. They might attack the, the, a family member. They might attack you physically or spiritually. Why? Because they're trying to get you back into that reactionary Christian that you once were before you had victory in your faith. But if you do not give in to the attack, but you adjust when they attack and you, you, you strategize while they re-strategize, you will see victory upon victory upon victory in your house, in your marriage, in your mind, in your family. Judas worshiped the Lord all the time until Satan entered into him. And when Satan came into Judas, now he reacted different to every miracle, to the alabaster box being open. Judas, who should have praised him, began to question him because it's the desire of Satan to question everything that God is doing. If you are questioning everything leadership does, everything God is doing. It's a satanic spirit that wants to get you into reactionary warfare where you're constantly confused. I'm preaching and constantly discouraged. But if you can get your head out of all that stuff and say, I'm going to worship God with everything inside of me. I'm going to adjust and be the greatest Christian I can become. You give hell a headache every time. So what are you saying, preacher? It is the will of God that when hell attacks you and I, that we learn to step into the spirit. If hell sends you to Patmos, get in the spirit. John, if they send you there to sentence you to die, get 
in the spirit because as long as you look around at the convicts and you look around at the barrenness of the island of Patmos John and you're old and you think you're going to die here as long as you look at the environment you cannot hear the voice of God but if you get into the spirit and you refuse to react the way hell wants you to you can hear the word of the Lord that can change your world and perhaps the world it's powerful when a church learns to get into the spirit and you told your pastor you'd help me preach but the spirit does not the spirit does not spectate when the spirit of God begins to move you don't have to be in the altar you don't have to be around everybody but when it gets on your chair when it comes by you something in you ought to begin to respond and say get me out of my flesh get me out of my depression out of my fear out of my anxiety I'm going to raise my hands anyway Oh, I know you're preaching, it's shallow, but I'm breaking something right now in the atmosphere. This church is a worshiping church, a praising church, an apostolic church, a Holy Ghost church. You may not be able to pray for everybody, but you can still be who you are, where you are. You can rise up and make your row an altar and say, we're going to have a move of God. No matter what happens around the atmosphere, this chair is going to feel the glory. This pew is going to feel the glory of the Lord. I'm going to hit it till it breaks. I'm going to hit it till it breaks. Because there's something in here right now where you can see mass healings. You can see mass breakthroughs where you don't touch anyone. But the word of faith comes to your row and heals your body. Because you've adjusted and gotten the spirit. It's like, you know, you know what we, I told them this morning, we, we like what's comfortable. And sometimes... We like what's comfortable because we think it's working even if it's not working. And what I mean by that is Noah sent a raven looking for evidence. And the Bible said the raven went to and fro, which means the raven kept coming back. So that's why Noah kept using it because the raven was loyal, but the raven was fruitless. It was going. It was searching but it was not coming back with any evidence that it was working. And because it's comfortable, we can stay connected to it, even if it's not working. And sooner or later, you have to step out of logic into faith because the dove is not intelligent as the raven. The dove is not, does not have the scavenging abilities and does not know the trajectory. How to fl- the dove is not intelligent at all. But the dove is a spirit idea. The dove is a God idea. It doesn't make any sense. It requires faith. Why are you putting a little dove out there in a flood covering the entire planet? But when God whispers a dove idea into your spirit, you might be surrounded by a storm, but a whisper from God and an adjustment on your part can cause something to come back to you that the raven never... Hmm that the raven never brought. In other words, Noah had no clue he was getting in the spirit because thousands of years later, when Jesus Christ came out of the waters of baptism, the spirit of God descended upon him as a dove. It's a God idea. I pray God starts giving some of you this week dove ideas. 
I pray for creative ideas. To, to, I'm, I pray for whispers of the Spirit to come through your home at random times. Uh, you're not even going to think it's a God idea. You're just going to get this. I got this idea. And you're going to start jumping on it. And someone's going to have a, something happen this week in this church that God's going to send the dove to your home in advance, whisper a thought to you, and God's going to get glory out of an adjustment that you are about to make. I know that I'm flying over some of your heads right now and you're staring at me like what's the dove and what's the raven it's the it's in the bible but if you would just say god speak to my spirit and disconnect me from my normal carnal thinking and connect me to what you want to do in my life in my ministry someone might start a podcast someone might write a book someone might go apply at the right company someone is going to get a whisper this week and something's going to come to you that doesn't make sense anybody over here want that to happen in your family then you might want to get in the spirit before you wait for the action when you get in the spirit you get the dove idea oh i feel prophetic anointing in here right now i feel like somebody's about to hear the voice of the lord again get me out of the voices of the enemy and let me hear the voice of god whisper my destiny into my existence what Esther did Esther we're going to die everything we can do isn't working she said call a fast yeah schedule a fast God will schedule your breakthrough I promise you corporately or individually when people start fasting on extended fast it brings answers from heaven Nowhere in, there's only two people in the two situations in the Bible where people fasted for selfish reasons. That was Jezebel to kill Naboth, and that was the people trying to kill Paul that made a vow to starve themselves. But every other fast in the Bible was for other people and for great things to happen and for needs to be met. We always preach it, and I'm writing a book about it that fasting is to crucify the flesh. And yes, it does. Try it, it will do it. But if you cannot go on long fast, it's because what you're fasting for is. It's not big enough. Oh, I'm going I'm to say it right now. You have to have something big enough worth crucifying that flesh for. In other words, you got to say, God's going to do something so big in our family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out of my flesh, push the plate away, because I believe I'm going to get an answer from God. You've got to go Esther on hell sometimes and say, you know what? I know what the decree is. I know what they're saying. I know we're supposed to go down, but the outcome is about to be altered because I am going to make a divine adjustment and step into the spirit and see what God says about the situation your fasting is not in vain if someone tells you well I fasted and nothing happens because they weren't specific with their fast you need to have faith for what you're fasting for and if you'll do that it won't be so hard to sacrifice and consecrate because you're connecting yourself to an adjustment in the spirit Paul and Silas at the midnight hour, prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prison doors shook open, and everything happened, and the jail opened up all the doors, and the, the bands fell off their wrists. But what were they talking about before midnight? Because before midnight, God didn't move. Before they were praying and singing, whatever they were talking about was not getting God's attention. And I, now I'm going to start preaching because I found you. 
See, the reason why people can't break through in certain, whatever you talk about out there determines what you're connecting to in here. So if you can't feel it when it's moving, you're talking about something you shouldn't be talking about. Because, I'll wait on you. Spiritual conversations will bring spiritual manifestations. And when you're talking about heaven and how great God is and how he's got plans for your life, you can expect him to show up. But if you're not talking about him and you're talking about everything negative and questioning everything going on in church, that spirit will bring a critical spirit in the atmosphere. And you can't feel anything when that's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to shift gears. Can you go to 1 Samuel chapter 1? I feel the Holy Ghost. 1 Samuel chapter 1, skip the Jonah stuff. Hannah is barren, wants a baby. She's blessed, but she can't get pregnant. Everything is about the baby being born. And yet everything is telling her it's never going to happen. Her husband says, come on, just be thankful you've got me. That's what he said, literally. Talk about like jerk mode. <laughs> Apparently you're not enough, bro, because it didn't help. <laughs> He's like, am I not enough for you? She's like, no. Like, <laughs> enjoy the no self-esteem. <laughs> And he's married, back in that day, it's weird, you married multiple people. He's married this other chick who's having babies all the time, and she's tormenting Hannah. Well, I can have kids, you can't. A lovely home to be living in. So Hannah, because of what she feels is rejection, prays, but look what's in her spirit that comes out when she prays. 1 Samuel 1 verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul and pray into the Lord and wept. You can pray bitter. I'm going to preach now. Bitterness can come out in your prayer life. See, what happens when someone gets bitter, it's because something has happened where their pride or their flesh said, you deserve better. You're worth more. They're rejecting you. They don't notice you, et cetera, et cetera. And I told them this morning that bitterness comes in, and it comes in so softly. You still shake the person's hand that you think is rejecting you and overlooking you and ignoring you. But now, here's how it manifests. When you go home, you start talking differently. It used to be, boy. I love, and I'm just going to be hypothetical. I love Bishop Johns. I, he's like the greatest pastor in the whole world. And then it's like, well, why, why are we doing that? If we're not going to shout, we're going to dig here. They shouted this morning, so I'm going to wait for you. Y'all need to come to the 9 a.m. service. I'm playing with you, kind of. <laughs> Bitterness will manifest in your prayer. Here's how it manifests in your prayer. Lord, you know what I've been through. You know that wasn't right. Lord, I put them in your hands. You know what that means? Kill them. <laughs> Just be real. Why don't you say what you're meaning? I put them in your hands. You're like, take them out, God. That's what you're saying. You know that was... You know it's not fair. 
You know I deserve more. You know I shouldn't be the one having the baby. And bitterness gets her nothing. And complaining will get you nothing with God. Every time. In fact, the priest slapped her. Weird, weird culture. Can you imagine trying that now? You're going to prison. I don't like the way you're praying. I don't like the way you preach. You're in jail. Eli slapped her. She's praying, but bitterness is manifesting. And there's still barrenness because bitterness and barrenness are always connected. But in verse 18, after she's been slapped and it doesn't make sense, the Bible said, she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. And verse 19, the Bible said they rose up early in the morning and worshipped before she was praying bitter and remaining barren. But when she went from bitter praying to thankful worshiping, God remembered her. The Bible said at the end of verse 19, the Lord remembered her and she birthed the Samuel. If you want what you're praying for to manifest, you've got to adjust from questioning and becoming bitter and analyzing to saying, God, I worship you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I worship. Because what you talk about determines what you attract. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Tell, my, tell them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy the city. He said, I don't feel like doing that. Fine. Enjoy a storm. I'm still not going. Some people have some serious pride. There are people that if you... They will only not clap because you ask them to. Like, let's all raise our hands. I ain't doing that. Let's all go to heaven. Exactly. You got your answer. I'm not doing it, he said. And huh, God said, okay, enjoy, enjoy the storm. Not doing it. Enjoy the sea. Not doing it. Enjoy a whale. I, I would told him this, I would have circled him with a shark or three or four sharks. That'd have got me praying right there. You know that little fin out. Of the, okay, I, I'm sorry. I'll go. I don't want to. I'd rather have death by whatever they're going to do in Nineveh than death by chewing. Okay, so he's like in the whale three days. I think I'll pray now. I'd have killed you, Jonah. I'm just saying, it's a good thing I'm not God. And this is what he prays. 2 verse 9. I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. Ah. I will pay that that I have vowed. What's that mean? You ready for this revelation? Apparently, at some point in Jonah's past, he told God, I'll go anywhere you send me. 
I'm going to let that hit. Apparently, Jonah prayed a prayer most of us have prayed, and that is, God, wherever you send me, I will go. I vow it. And God said, put your money where your mouth is. And Jonah said, I'm not doing it. And so when he's in the whale three days, he goes from entitlement and rebellion to thanksgiving and commitment. And the next verse says, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. In other words, all God was waiting on was for Jonah to adjust his speech and say, you know what? I remember, shikata, I remember the prayer meeting that I prayed when I just wanted to be used so badly that I said, God, anywhere you send me, I'll go. I won't question you. I won't doubt you. Someone needs to remember how you used to pray. You prayed revival prayers, and now you're praying survival prayers. Pressure from Jezebel can cause you to go into a cave and eat the food of bread and water and become an Obadiah and hope you survive. Or it can make you an Elijah and say, I know we can't change everything in government, but where is the fire and where is the rain? I believe that despite all the pressure, we're going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost this nation has ever seen. I had COVID in December. It knocked me down and knocked my wife down. I missed the entire month preaching. But I heard one statement from God. That's all I heard in the, in the nausea and the headaches and the, all the crazy stuff for weeks. And that was this. In the next seven years, I will pour out my spirit upon North America in a way I never have in the history of this continent. That's all I've heard from God. But I'm telling you. It is coming. The greatest revival we've ever seen is coming. Come on, change how you talk. Change how you see. Change what you expect. And believe God for something greater. What are you saying? I'm saying that our speech is betraying us. Our speech is killing us. Our conversations are murdering our breakthroughs. What we're talking about and the frustration and the contention and the strife and the things that are going on in homes are keeping us from the breakthroughs we want to feel in the house. Remember Michael fought Satan, which was Lucifer before, for the dead body of Moses? They're, I mean, you got serious. I mean, can you imagine watching that right there? The head of warring angel and the devil himself fighting over a dead prophet. Yeah. The Bible said, Michael, no, Michael's a fighting angel. And, you know, Satan, he's just a big mouth. But that's how he fights, his mouth. And Michael said, I'm not going to use a railing, durst not use a railing accusation against it. Meaning, I'm not getting to an argument with the angel that knows how to argue. Because Lucifer's middle name is probably argue. Debate, strife, contention, division. And, yeah, the accuser. So he's, 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 he loves to argue. When arguing is constantly in your atmosphere, there's a demon near. Ooh. Should have shouted earlier, y'all. 
Uh-oh, just got my orders. Hey, bro. And that spirit, that demon, Satan, wanted to get Michael into an argument over the body. Who should get him? And Michael said, I'm not arguing with you. I'm going to speak in the position of submission. I know who I'm submitted to. And who I'm submitted to has more authority than you do. The Lord rebuke thee. <laughs> Ready? Stop trying to win the argument and win the atmosphere. Your spouse is not the devil. You might think she is or he is. They're not. It's a spirit trying to cause division in your atmosphere. Oh, I know we're not shouting because it's real quiet. We're at home right now, aren't we? Don't win the argument to prove your point. Win the atmosphere to drive out the spirit that wants to destroy your marriage and your babies. I wish we would get with it now because there's about to be a shifting in our houses and a shifting in our conversation and a shifting in our talks. And if we would change how we speak, we would change what we see. Yes, it's difficult right now. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's awkward. Yes, it's not apostolic as usual. But can I tell you, all you have to do is keep speaking that faith. The revival is coming. The revival is coming. A district in this United States called me, and they're forming an outdoor crusade this later this year. 80 churches across the state in different locations at one time believe in God for the greatest outpouring in the state's history. Let me tell you something. Revival is coming. The greatest outpouring is coming to the nation. And I tell you, Atlanta West, it is time to put your armor on and say, we're going to see it happen right here. We're going to see it happen in our youth, in our departments, in our home, in our homes, in our families. We're going to see revival. Stand to your feet. I want to ask you something. Oh, boy, help me, Jesus. Help me to say this the way I feel. Hell fears your mouth more than your hands. What do you mean by that? Clapping, it's mentioned once or twice in the entire Bible. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Okay? Which is, we do it. We do it good, don't we? We're, we're, we're professional clappers. We know just the right time. Big churches clap on beat, thank the Lord. Other churches, not so much. Help us, Lord. We know how to clap. But clapping sometimes can be an out. Because you can clap and not speak. You can blend in clapping. But words change the atmosphere. Words cause things to happen. Jesus never, he spoke and demons left. He spoke, hell feared the word more than the hand. He healed the sick. We're, our hands are powerful. But I think in this atmosphere, what needs to happen in the way it's set up is our mouths need to become so powerful that I can speak in this row over here 
and God can touch someone back there in that row because my faith is not connected to my hands. It's connected to my words. Oh, I know I'm getting a wall right here. I believe it's the will of God for a service to take place in this church where there's mass healing and no one touches anyone because the power of God descends. The only thing that took place was people open their mouth and said, let the healing begin. Let the miracles begin. Let the signs and wonders begin. Let there be revival. Oh. Why, why is it quiet? Because I'm confronting the arguing spirit. I'm confronting the confrontational spirit in your bedroom, in your vehicle, that wants to silence your mouth and silence your worship. But the miracle is in your mouth. And you need to unleash it and say, come on, Jesus. Get up on this row right now. Heal my wife. Heal my husband. Heal my child. Set us free. Let there be an answer. Still quiet. For, mo for the most part, it's still quiet. There we go. There we go. Somebody pray in tongues if you have the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. You want to confuse hell? Go ahead and do that. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray. Open your mouth and speak and cause the demons to be confused. They don't know what to do when you pray in the Spirit. Come on, Josiah. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray and let there be an adjustment that causes an altering in your outcome. Speak, thy servant heareth. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Come on. Do you want God to clap or do you want God to speak? Speak, Lord. There's a rumbling, Bishop. There's a rumbling in the surface of the core of this church right here. There's a rumbling in the belly of this church. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit. There's a revival beneath the surface. You got to step out of the flesh though and start to see with the spirit. Lift up your, say not that it's four months until the harvest, but rather lift up your eyes. That's not awkward. That's Holy Ghost right there. 
I believe it right now in the name of Jesus. Let the healing begin. Let the healing begin. Let the he somebody needs to be healed in their back right now. In the name of the Lord. Let healing begin in someone's lungs right now. People watching online, I speak to you by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus. Let healing begin in people's houses. Let healing come to your body wherever you may be sitting, wherever you may be standing, in your home, at your vehicle, in your office. Let healing come to your body right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus Christ.